Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Easttown Podcast. My name is Clint, and here at Easttown, we want to always create a safe space where you can explore your spirituality and not feel judged in the process. Remember, you can find out more about Easttown at easttown.church or following us on Instagram or Facebook. Hope you enjoy this and have a great day. Well, good morning, Easttown. As Clint said, my name is Lisa. I'm so glad uh, to be here with you. And I was going to share my example of when I pushed myself recently. It is also very recent from this week. Last Saturday, I woke up and I didn't feel great. And I knew I had a busy week coming. I didn't want to not do the things that I had said I was going to do. And my husband was like, hey, are you sure you still want to host Ladies Wine Night on Tuesday? No, I'm going to do it. You sure you still want to go to the Christmas tree lighting? I'm like, no, I still want to do it. So I did all those things, and then Wednesday, we're like riding the BART home from the tree lighting, and my body was like, absolutely not. <laughs> and I spiked a fever, and I spent the whole day in bed on Thursday, and so my lesson here is to listen to my husband more often. <laughs> we are in a series called Advent in the Ordinary, and I'm just so glad that you are here with us. I'm going to welcome anyone that is watching online. We're glad you are here, too. I was born with jet black hair. I think this is probably thanks to my Italian heritage, just like my dad has, just like my grandmother. Uh, And it was always something, honestly, I took a lot of pride in. It's not super common for a white girl to have jet black hair, and I would always get a lot of attention and compliments about it. But I was in high school when I found my very first gray hair, and then a couple more. In fact, my sister would sit behind me in church and like go on a little scavenger hunt, just yank them out one by one. So Minda, your day is coming. Uh, I was in college when I first started to color it because the gray roots on the top particularly were stark against the black. And as a uh, 19-year-old college student in the year of our Lord, 2001, premature gray was not exactly the look. And so when people would ask me over the years, is that your natural color? I would say, this is my natural color, but this color is not natural. (laughs) And then at some point last year, I decided to make peace with the hair that I actually have. Um, And let's be honest, I have two-year-old twins at home, so I don't have as much time for personal grooming as I once had. And I just have been in this process over the last year to let it go great. Now, I should let you know, my 93-year-old grandmother this year decided, I guess I should let it go gray. So I feel like I'm way ahead of the curve on that. (laughs) It's been much harder on my ego than I anticipated, if I'm honest. Um, Coming to terms with the fact that I'm aging, It's been this very existential crisis of raising all these questions of life and aging and purpose and um, asking me all these, you know, these major questions about life. And it's just hair. Who knew it, you know, caused such a crisis in me. But gray hair for me has been this ever-present reminder that my body is slowly decaying, even since high school. Um, And as much time and money as we spend on keeping ourselves looking young, we are fighting a losing battle. Our hair turns gray. Our skin sags. We can't play basketball anymore, Clint, without throwing our back out. So Merry Christmas. Aren't you glad you came to Easttown? You're dying. (laughs) We are in this series uh, called Advent in the Ordinary, and um, bodies are about as ordinary as it gets. We all have them. They kind of function in roughly the same ways. There is nothing really glamorous about them. And yet, the all-powerful, all-seeing, all-knowing creator of the universe and of all humankind chose to take on human flesh himself and walk among us. That idea is summarized in this theological word you hear a lot at Christmas time called incarnation. God, who is spirit, became a man. And not only that, God chose to send his son into the world, the long-awaited Messiah, through the very 
ordinary body of a young Jewish teenager and the natural, miraculous, messy process of pregnancy and childbirth. An artist I love, his name is Scott Erickson. He has a devotional um, called Honest Advent. And if you're looking for a fresh take this year, this might be for you. He is an artist. He does like to push the boundaries. So you've been warned, but I love it. Um, it's been really fresh for me. He says that if the incarnation insists on anything, it insists that our physical bodies matter to God. And that's what we're going to spend our time talking about today. And I can imagine if Mary was like most young teenage girls that I know and was once myself, when the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, hey, your body is going to usher into the world this long-awaited Messiah that you and your people have been waiting on for thousands of years, I'm sure she must have thought, what, this body? The scripture actually says she was greatly troubled. She may have been quick to identify all of her flaws, her physical flaws, her lack of physical beauty. Perhaps she had recurring acne. Few people are less comfortable in their own bodies than a 12 or 13-year-old girl. Because in the words of that great modern poet, Britney Spears, she is not a girl and not yet a woman. <laughs> Even without all of our modern society's pressure on women and girls to look a certain way, I am sure that she felt insecure at times. And who wouldn't be? The truth is our bodies are ordinary. This was going to be a vessel for the divine. Now don't get me wrong. Pregnancy and childbirth are an absolute miracle. A million things have to go right for a healthy baby to come into the world. Two million things had to go right for two healthy twin boys to come into the world. And yet any woman who has ever been pregnant can tell you there is much that does not feel miraculous about pregnancy and childbirth. Much of it. Nausea, vomiting, heartburn, food aversions, feet swelling, you name it. And that pales in comparison to the actual childbirth process. But for a few months, God's divine presence on earth manifested itself through morning sickness. Then he came into the world as a crying, alien-looking infant whose diaper needed changing. He had nose hair, perhaps he had acne as a teenager. He probably had the flu at some point in his life. Think about that. The king of kings needed help wiping his snotty nose. Or perhaps was told repeatedly by his mom, please take your hand out of your pants. <laughs> Speaking from personal experience. And for all the insecurity about their bodies that preteen girls seem to have, boys, at least on the surface, seem to have the opposite problem. They're obscenely proud of their bodies and have no sense of embarrassment or shame or in bodily function. And apparently they don't seem to grow out of this as someone who's married to a grown-up boy. They're still really proud of it. This has been a new concept to me as I only have sisters and now I'm raising two boys. We have been in our own Advent-like season of waiting and anticipation as our boys have had a bit of a speech delay. I'm told this is common, not only for boys, but also for twins, but this has not comforted me as an overachiever. I'm told they should have already had anywhere uh, from 10 to 50 words by the time they turned 18 months. And yet at their uh, second birthday, we still have nothing. And this has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress, and I've imagined the moment that they would look at me with love in their eyes and say, Mama. Well, the moment finally arrived several weeks ago uh, while I was changing a diaper, and it was about as mundane and ordinary as you can get. My son, Addison, did not say mama or dada or Remy, who's my dog. His first word was poop. <laughs> and now he won't stop saying it. Just poop on repeat all day. Even when there's no poop, there we're, just, we're still saying poop. If God uh, still chose to come into this world in, this, in an ordinary body, if he chose that, there must be something special about them, something that is redemptive about them. 
After all, God is the one who designed them. The Old Testament poet David and great-great-great-great-great-grandfather of Jesus wrote these words in Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All of the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All of the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God has a great purpose for your life. No matter what your body looks like, no matter the ways it doesn't work like it feels like it's supposed to. Most of us will never have the bodies or physical abilities of a Michael Phelps or Simone Biles or Steph Curry or Layla who's already you know, been signed to go play soccer at UCLA. Or we'll never have the physical beauty of Scarlett Johansson or Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> but we are called to show up with our very everyday ordinary bodies and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that is our big idea today. Just like God used Mary's ordinary body to bring his son into the world, God wants us to use our ordinary bodies to be his hands and feet to the world around us. So what does that mean, to be the hands and feet of Jesus? It means that we who are followers of Jesus, his presence dwells within us, and that when we show up for one another, it's like Jesus is showing up too. That's a miracle. When we offer a hand to someone in need of help, that's like offering the hand of Jesus. We offer a hug to someone who is crying. That's like a hug from the Son of God. We can offer our physical presence to someone who is hurting, and that is like Jesus sitting there too. We can make eye contact with an unhoused person instead of turning away. We can hold a crying baby in the nursery who wouldn't sign up for Jesus' child care. I know Landon will be taking sign-ups after service if you're interested in <laughs> Our world is so increasingly disembodied. We spend so much of our time on screens and on social media, in Zoom meetings. If the pandemic taught us anything, perhaps it showed us our need for embodiment, for physical presence. I don't know about you, but it was like May of 2020, and I was like, I cannot go to one more Zoom happy hour or Zoom game night. We need the physical presence of one another. And the great miracle is that he promises through his spirit living in us, when we show up for one another, he will be present too. There are several verses throughout all of scripture that, report to, uh, that point to this, and I'll just go through a couple of them. Romans 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Your body as a living sacrifice. That certainly sounds odd in our modern context, but it implies a death, perhaps the death of our ego, the need to be perfect, a desire to do whatever we want with our bodies and instead offer them to be used for a higher purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. His workmanship, that implies an idea of craftsmanship or artisan or unique. God only made one of you, and he has good things, good works prepared for you to do. 1 Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Whatever gift you have received, your hands, your mind, your eyes, your feet, God has given them just to you 
and you are a steward of those gifts. Throughout history, God has used all types of bodies, old and young, thin and fat, attractive, not attractive. Even the scripture says about Jesus in Isaiah 53, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. And yet, God did his greatest work to redeem all of creation through the broken body of Jesus. His body was broken. He experienced excruciating physical pain. His physical body broken for us brings us eternal life. Before I close today, I want to take a moment to acknowledge that for some of you sitting in this room, when you hear words like you are fearfully and wonderfully made, perhaps inwardly you cringe because your body has failed you in really heartbreaking ways. Perhaps you have struggled with infertility or miscarriage, or you've walked through cancer, or you've uh, sustained an injury that has just not allowed you to return to your normal life. Maybe you suffer from invisible chronic pain, or perhaps you are one of the many who have hated your body so intensely that you have self-harmed, or you struggled with body dysmorphia that has led to an eating disorder. And I wanna say that I see you and God sees you, and we collectively hold space for that pain. The beauty of the hope that we have in Jesus is that eternal life with him means that one day we get new bodies that will be fully healed and fully restored. Back to that verse in Isaiah, it says he was a man familiar with suffering. So God sees you and identifies with you in your suffering. You are not alone. Revelation 21, 4, 5, which is a picture of the life to come, says he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That sounds like good news to me, and good news for my gray hair. <laughs> so this week, allow your ordinary body to point you to the hope of heaven. Give thanks for your body with all of its beauty and imperfections. As your hands are on the steering wheel while you drive to work, look at your hands. Marvel at how they're made. Thank God for them. As you climb up and down the stairs at work or perhaps to change the 40-second diaper of the day, thank God for your legs and the strength they provide you to get through the day. Notice the gray hair and the fine lines and thank God for the gift of aging. When you find yourself overwhelmed with negative self-talk about your body, interrupt those thoughts with, this body was fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a good purpose for it. Ask God for his divine presence to make himself known to you through your very ordinary body. And then commit to one act of being the hands and feet to the world around you. Maybe it's just holding hands with those at your table while you say grace. Maybe you shake hands with a neighbor that you have never met before. Maybe you offer a hug to a coworker who's going through a hard time. Ask God to give you eyes to see the world around you and show you an opportunity to bring his presence with you. On your chair today is an Advent prompt card. Um, and the idea behind these is that it would help you to um, take these ideas throughout your week. And um, there's a focus, there's a way for you to, to write in your journal. There's more journals back at the table back there if you still haven't gotten one. There's a daily practice of just thanking God for your body. And a prayer prompt. Um, and before uh, we close today, I want to read um, a benediction um, for your very ordinary body. This was written by a friend 
an author. Um, her name is Lori Wilbert, and she wrote this benediction for your body. And so as I do that, would you just open up your hands just to receive this blessing, to look at your physical hands while we're sitting there. Thank God for making them. Thank God for giving you hands. And I'm going to pray this, this blessing over you as we close today. May your ears be tuned to the voice of God, the presence of the Spirit, the abiding love of the Father, the friendship of the Son. May you hear the sound of your own soul amidst the clamor of the world's demands and your inner critic's shame. May you hear the cries of the wounded and war-torn, forsaken and forgotten, the scarred and scared, and may your heart be turned toward them. May your hands and feet and shoulders and arms and legs and belly and neck be soothed by the peace of God, stretched and smoothed under the mighty hands of goodness itself. May the vulnerability of feeling and being felt become a welcome sensation wherever it comes. May you tend to the skin and cells of your own body, care for your body as God cares for it too. May it become commonplace to rest a hand on a shoulder or to offer your own shoulder to others when they need it. May your nose draw in the breath of God, the fragrance of earth and soil and leaves and the sun and oils and guitar strings and stakes seared to perfection and wood fire and the lightest rain after the longest summer. And may you find God somewhere in it all. May the smells that have haunted you begin to heal. May the scents that delight you become commonplace. May you become the fragrance of God to others. May your eyes see the goodness of God in the land of the living. May you behold what is broken and sometimes find the beauty in it. May you also behold what is broken and endeavor to never pretend it is fixed before it is. May your eyes tell you the truth when your heart disbelieves or your soul withers or your spirit grieves. May you also be seen and may you learn to be delighted to be seen by the ones who see you rightly. May your mouth taste the sweetness of God in salmon and sugar, toothpaste and tea, bacon and balsamic dressing, dressing drizzled, drizzled over fresh greens. May you believe in daily bread, even when the bread you have eaten has sometimes been stale or tasted like stone. May the manna God gives you for today be enough. May you feed the hungry food in season, rich and abundant, not canned or stale. May all of your feasts be delicious. Finally, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi, your teacher who walks ahead of you, behind you, around you, within you. May you be coated in the earth he kicks up, the matter of the world, the real and tangible. May love call you to the things of this world as it called Jesus to the things of this world too. And may you sense Jesus as you go from here. God, thank you for the gift of incarnation. Thank you for the gift of our bodies. As much as we um, sometimes despise them, God, they are a gift from you. And we are to use them for your purposes. Um, this week, Lord, help us to see those around us who need just a dose of your presence. May we be your hands and feet to those around us. A light in a season of darkness, bringing the hope of Advent, the hope of your son, a baby, an infant, where all of us once began. Thank you for calling us your sons and your daughters. It is in your son's name we pray. Amen.